It's great to be coming to the end of this little mini-series. I think lots of people have shared with us how much God sort of spoke to them individually, but also to us as a church. Even just the title, Rebuilding Home, Restoring Hope. Just great words, isn't it, for every season of life. But it feels really poignant that we've been digging into this Nehemiah little mini-series. We're going to pause on it for a bit from after today, and we're going to move into more of a series that leads us in confidence towards the cross heading to Easter. So for today, um, <clears throat> things have been looking good for Nehemiah. Uh, things are going well. We saw in chapter 3, everyone's rebuilding, everyone's doing the bit in front of their own wall, in front of their own home, they're doing the gates, they're doing walls. Things are looking good. <laughs> However, it's often at that point, isn't it, then discouragement comes. We see in this chapter, things come in and try and swipe the people of God as they're building together. And we're going to look at some of these discouragements. Don't worry, it's not all going to be just, oh, look at how miserable things are. We're going to see how actually Nehemiah and the people responded in hope as we read about restoring hope and how they continued to rebuild. And the truth is that ultimately we see that God provides, this is the spoiler, God provides and gives them the strength and the courage, and that comes from Jesus. That strength comes from him, the one who saves, the one who strengthens us through his Holy Spirit. So let's start with some of the negatives. Um, You'll see straight away that their morale has changed. It's been challenged at the deepest level. They're being made fun of. They're being told they're useless, they're stupid. This chap, Sambalat, he's he's very angry, it says. He's greatly incensed. You can almost sense him stomping around the walls having a go at people, having these little digs. And he throws ridicule and he questions them. And each of these are rhetorical questions that are meant to stick and are meant to jab at the people, damaging their morale, their mental health. But Nehemiah is under God's favour, as we saw in chapter 2. And so he has helped to transform this situation. He's generated momentum. There's a sense of purpose with the people here comes Sambalat. I like that name, Sambalat. You can almost hear it in his name. Go on, he sounds like he's going to cause trouble. Sambalat, he's trying to generate negativity, depression, hopelessness, fear amongst the people. These are some of the words that he says. You can almost hear them echoing in our own lives a little bit. Sometimes, what are you feeble Jews doing? In other words, you're poor, you're incompetent. What are you doing? You haven't got a clue what you're doing. Will they restore their walls? Oh, come on. This task is far too big for these people. Surely it's not going to work. Will they offer their sacrifices? What, you believe in God? You think God's going to help you to complete this task? You believe in some sort of magic that's going to help you? You can hear the ridicule, can't you, in these questions. Will they finish in a day? Are you going to, what are you talking about? It's a huge amount of walls. What are you doing? It's an impossible task. Trying to Bring them down. Bring them into that negativity. Then they say, can you bring these stones back to life from heaps of rubble, burned as they are? That's where a real lie gets in there. Actually, the stones weren't burnt. We heard that the gates were burnt in chapter 2, but the stones were actually all right. They were ruined and they were in rubble. They were a mess, but they were still useful. He was saying, oh, how can you rebuild with burnt stones? The stones were good, but again, casting doubt and fear. Are you going to use those stones again? And then this other chap, Tobiah, just to help 
kind of fan the flame, he comes along and goes, what are they building? Even, I love this, even a fox climbing on it would break it and tear down their walls of stone. You can imagine this little fox just scampering on the wall saying, oh yeah, even they're building so rubbish that even a little fox is going to knock it down. Mocking and taunting. What they seem to be doing, it seems like, oh, it's foolish, it's not going to last. Sambalat, in this other chat, was playing on Nehemiah and the other people's minds. He was getting into their heads, into their mental health. He was pushing their buttons. He was challenging their inner security. He was causing self-doubt. He was causing a fear of failure. He was trying to paralyze people, causing hopelessness and despair. (laughs) Sometimes though, I feel like that. I can get trapped. I can get caught by lies that come in and rob and trick me and tell me I'm no good, I'm no... I'm useless. But let's hear the positives. Let's hear what Nehemiah comes back with. There's the negative words that are being spoken. But what was Nehemiah's first response? Did he get back at them and throw taunts back at them and go, right, you can have this one, bat it back? He prayed. He didn't go that way. He prayed. He went to his father God and he prayed. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. He goes, Lord, help us. We need you. Look at them. They're having a go at us, Lord. Will you fight for us, God? Will you hear our prayers? Will you hear these things they're saying about us? Lord, remind us, these things are not true. He seeks God and he cries for help. Isn't it great that we've got a God who hears us? He hears us where we are. He knows how we're feeling. He knows mentally where we're at this morning. And he hears us and he knows our knees. Through Jesus, God isn't distant. He has, he has come near. Jesus has walked this earth. He knows what it is to suffer. He stood in our place. For me, that brings huge comfort and hope that Jesus is here. He is the one that stands in the gap. He is the one that says, no, these things are lies. And Nehemiah goes on to say, well, turn these insults back on their heads. Like I say, he doesn't try and deflect it. He says, God, you deal with these people it's not my battle here, Lord. You deal with these lies. It's, it's not true. It's not right. God, you will be the judge. It's not my place to tell other people where they're going wrong and what's going on. Lord God, you will fight for me. Turn their insults back onto them. Isn't that good that we have a God who goes, yeah, you don't need to hear that. Just push it back to God. He will deal with it. He doesn't get into an argument about who's right and who's wrong, as often I do, and try and fight my own corner. I need to remember that God is fighting for me. He is fighting the battles. He will sort them out. Our job is to pray. When we hear lies from those around us, or spoken to us through social media, or things we see in the TV, or just the comparativeness of, oh, I wish my life was better than like theirs. Only if I look like this devil is the, an evil one. He's the father of lies and he will use lies and this questioning to cause fear and hopelessness. But prayer and taking these things to our father in heaven is how we counter these lies and we see them for what they are. Lies can cause us to seem, feel feeble, to doubt what we're building our lives on. So in discouragement that following Jesus is just too hard. We should just go with the flow like everyone else. But again, listen to these words of Jesus when he's confronted by enemies, when he's struggling and suffering. He doesn't just say, well, put it back onto them. He says, but to you who are listening, I say, 
Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Really hard. Really hard, isn't it? When we're feeling like we're getting negativity and abuse from others that are just getting into us. But Lord, we pray for those who need your grace this morning. We pray for those that need to know your love. We pray blessing on those that don't yet know you. We pray for help for those of us to see what the lies are and to not receive them. And at the end of this, Nehemiah just cracks on. I love this about Nehemiah. Um, In verse 6, it just says, "Ah, so we went and we carried on rebuilding and people worked with all their heart. I love that. They could have got completely railroaded by all these lies of the evil one, of the enemy. Instead, they just went, "Ah, okay, we've heard that. We've taken it to God. Now we're going to crack on. Let's keep building. And they built to half height. We're off and going again. We can get so easily and quickly distracted from what God's calling us to do. And we can just go down and down. But God goes, no, it's okay. I'll deal with that. I'll fight for you. Keep going. Keep building. Keep keep plodding. (laughs) Keep going. It's good. That's my first little thought. There's that sort of physical, uh, there's that sort of mental anguish and fear and threat. But we turn it to prayer. We turn it to Lord. We trust in God. We keep going. Easy for me to say, and I'm, I don't know where we're all at this morning, but I'm just saying, these are the things I'm seeing from the passage. I know sometimes these things are like, oh, but Mark, you don't know my situation. You're right, I don't. We're all under different, different words and things that stick to us. But my prayer is that we take it to the Lord, that we know that Jesus has walked with us. He's with us. He knows what it is to suffer, and he has made a way. So the second point is this. Um, <coughs> second point is this. But then Sambalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and all the people of Ashold heard that we were trying to repair the wall, and they all plotted together. So they've, they've had a go, they keep building, and then suddenly they're getting physical threats. It says this, they plotted together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble again. Here it is again. There's anger again, but this time, they're not just angry, they're very angry. They're getting furious. They're plotting against Jerusalem. They're continuing to stir up trouble. And notice that these physical threats come from all around. Jerusalem, they're surrounding them completely. Sambalat is in the north, in Samaria. Tobiah is in the, I'm going to go that way, east. Uh, The Arabs are in the south and Ashod's to the west. So they feel completely hemmed in and surrounded. And then the enemy starts saying this, before you know it, we'll see as we'll be right there among you and we're going to kill you and put an end to your work. The threat has gone up now. They're threatening death. They're threatening to kill and destroy. And here comes Nehemiah again. What does he do? He prays. Verse 9, he says this, But we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night. We're called to watch and to pray. We're called to pray and to watch. It's that two-pronged approach, isn't it? Be aware of what's going on in the world. Be aware of what's going on around us. Be aware. Keep your eyes open and pray. It's a good pattern to build into our life, isn't it? When challenges, discouragements come, we can pray. We can take it to the Lord of heaven and earth. But as we pray too, there's going to be some practical things 
Nehemiah posted these guards. He physically put people in place to watch and to meet the threat. And I don't want to over-spiritualise everything. I'm not saying everything that's bad is is an attack from the enemy. I, I don't believe that. I believe that we're in a world that's messed up and it's fallen. And good things and bad things happen to good people and bad people. We're in a messy world. But we are called as Christians to be aware that we're in a battle. And Paul reminds us of these words here. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are called to be on our watch. We are called to stand guard over each other. I like that image of standing together. And to stand against evil. We have Jesus who is the light of the world. The one who pierces the darkness and casts out fear. I've been listening to this song and it's, it's one of those earworm kind of worship songs. Uh, it's called Surrounded, uh, Fight My Battles, I think is another name for it. Um, and the words go like this. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> it said, there's a table that you've prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. It's your body and your blood that you have shed for me. This is how I fight my battles. And I believe that you've overcome and that you will lift my song of praise for what you've done. This is how I fight my battles. In the valley, I know that you're with me, and surely your goodness and mercy follow me. So my weapons are praise and thanksgiving. That's why when we come together, we praise God, whether we feel like praising God or not. Our praise and our worship lifts our eyes to the heavens. This is how I fight my battles. And then it says these words. This is the one I've been singing round and round. It may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And great words, aren't they? Really good words. Lord, I feel hemmed in, but praise God, I'm hemmed in by you, my loving Heavenly Father. We're pressed hard on every side, 2 Corinthians 4 says, but we're not crushed. We can be perplexed but not in despair. We can be persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We can be struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Amen. And lastly, lastly, it's about more about personal discouragements. Uh, <coughs> uh, the people in Judah... Their strength for the labourers was giving out and there was so much rubble they couldn't rebuild the wall. They were looking around them and they'd started to go, ooh, this job's too big. How are we ever going to do it? They hadn't noticed it before, but they were flagging now. These internal voices or the external voices have got in and it's causing them to feel negative. I always think of this little friend. (laughs) Oh, And we can all be a bit of an Eeyore at times, can't we? We can all be, oh, we just see the problems. We just see everything going wrong. We can be 
kind of like mood hoovers where we just people go, hey, oh, oh, look at the news, look at what's going on. And we, oh, just like you. Yeah, we can all be that person that just sees problems. And actually, the sad bit is here is that it says in verse 12, um, then the Jews who had lived near them, they came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, there you will be attacked. You can hear the Eeyore there, can't you? Wherever you turn, there you will be attacked. Ten times, wherever you turn, you... Oh, brilliant. Thanks for that. That's really kind. We've got the message. Notice that it goes, says, they told us. They didn't go to Nehemiah. These are the little grumblers amongst us that go, oh, have you seen the state? Oh, it's all gloom and doom. It's all hopeless. I would say that is gossip. I would say that these voices are coming from within. And it's hard when we face discouragement and challenge from those around us. But I think it's also really, really hard and really sad when it comes from each other. When we, when we get at each other as Christians, when we don't have each other's back, when we just pull each other down or we spread fear amongst ourselves. Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive us when we pull each other down. Lord, guard my tongue. Shut me up. <laughs> just like Nehemiah said to the people, no, shut up. We're not going to hear that. Instead, help me to speak words of love and truth and kindness. Words of encouragement that build up others. Wouldn't it be great if people said of Christians in this nation, in this town, in this church, see how they love each other. That's what they said of the early church, wasn't it? See how they love each other. See how they care and build each other up, that no one was in need. In a way, that's how Nehemiah and the people of God continued to build. They loved each other. They cared for each other. I was going to whip through this, but have a look at the verses 13 to the end if you get a chance and just notice the practical things they put in place to stop these internal discouragements, this internal gossip and negativity. Um, They stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall where people were most exposed, taking care of families. Notice that, the low points where they were most vulnerable. Nehemiah went... We're going to cover that. We're not going to let stuff get in, particularly to our families. That speaks to me a lot and speaks to how we care for each other as families in this church. Um, It goes on and says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives, your home. Remember the Lord God and remember why we're here. Remember why we're doing what we're doing because we love God and we love others. We love our families We love those that are in need and vulnerable. There's a few other little practical bits he puts on as well. Um, What else? Oh yeah, half the men are doing the work while the other half are equipped with spears and shields. Uh, There's those that when they blow the horn, they all come running. I love that bit. Isn't that brilliant? The work was extensively spread out uh, and they were separated from each other. But there was a rally call. When they heard the horn, they all came running. Isn't that great? There's those times in our lives where we go, I need help. Come and gather. Come and rally around me. I've heard some stories of people here in this church that have needed help and food's appeared and things have happened. And we care for each other and we rally together. Lord, help us to be a rallying people that just come together and go, yeah, we need you. We need to pray. We seek you. Our God will fight for us, it says there. So there's lots in there practically that we can do. We can support and care.
And so as I close, how do we keep going when things are tough? How do we keep running this race that is set before us? Well, we look to Jesus. It's always look to Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is always the answer. Jesus was persecuted. Jesus had lies told about him. He was threatened. He was gossiped about. He was put down. And yet he remained determined to go to the cross. He set his face towards the cross. How did he do it? How did he keep going? I believe he did it because he'd heard the words from the Father. This is my son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. That's what kept him going. For you or for me today, whatever is going on in our lives, I believe we need to hear those words afresh today. You are my child, my son, my daughter, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. When we hear the Father's love for us, (laughs) things change. Our lives are transformed. We keep going. We trust in him. I've read these words quite a few times. I've used them in some of the children's talks the last few weeks. And it came to me again. See how much our Father loves us. But he calls us his children. And that is who we are. That's how we keep going when things are tricky, when things are tough. We get on our knees and we go, Lord, I need your help. But Lord, I recognise that you are my Father. I am your child. And you love me. So like I say, I don't know what pressures, challenges you're facing today or what you're going to face tomorrow. Maybe it's those psychological, mental challenges, those lies. Just pray now that we know the truth and that the truth sets us free. And that we take these lies to God and say, God, would you fight for me? I can't do this on my own. Would you speak life and truth over me? Probably not many of us are facing those physical threats, but we know there's an enemy around us, but we also know that Jesus has the victory. Remember those words. We may feel surrounded, but remember that we're surrounded by God. His spirit is in you and with you if you're trusting in Jesus. And let's be quick to encourage each other. Let's not let the niggles come into our lives. Let's not let the negativity drag us down. Let's pull each other up as God's people. Let's rally around each other. Let's hear that cry from the Lord that brings us together and says, yes, Lord, we will rebuild together. Thank you, God, that you've put us in this family. Thank you that you've put us, like Mig was showing there, that we can stand together. You are good, God. So as I close, I just want to put some words up on the screen, some words from Psalm 27. Just have a moment of quiet before we sing this response song, Who am I that the highest king has ransomed me? And the words are amazing. We sing that I am a child of God. Yes, I am. And we declare that together this morning, that we are children of God. And so just as we just ask the band to come up and get ready for that, we're just going to have a moment of quiet. I'm going to put these words of Psalm 27 up on the screen Maybe you just want to close your eyes and, Lord, please, Lord, help me. Help me in the lies and the the things that I'm hearing that are affecting my mental health. Lord, would you protect me from the enemy? Lord, would you (laughs) help me to build up those around us? Whatever your prayer is, but also maybe use these words of Psalm 27. Maybe you want to read these words as a prayer as we sit, and then um, we all sing together these
this song in response. Let's be still for a moment.